Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. I'm speaking on building transgenerational organizations. A generation for the purpose of this discussion could be called the time span between when a person is born and when they begin to have their own children. So, to make it easy, they say a generation is 30 years. Alright, so we'll be looking today at how to position our organizations transgenerationally. Some of the most common mistakes we make in our businesses and then how to build to last. I'll also be speaking about how to become the next CEO because I see that we have business owners here. We also have potential successes. I'm going to share with you 10 things that can position you as the potential CEO of your company. If you want your CEO to appoint you as a successor, these 10 things, please take them very seriously, coming from me. And then I'm going to end with a few thoughts I want us to carry away. So these are the five themes I'll be building around. Let's start with transgenerational. So simply, when we say we are building transgenerational organizations, we are positioning or setting up our organizations to achieve sustained success across multiple generations. It would be great 30 years from now to have Imani Africa being far stronger than anything that Franklin ever conceived. It would be wonderful to walk into Zenith Bank 30 years from now, 50 years from now, and to find the bank all over the world doing things that the original big names that we know are doing. It would be nice to know some SMEs, companies that were set up five years ago, or that are the, the, the primary stages of their existence. It would be great to go to these same organizations 30 years from now and to see them as multinationals, being referred to with the same respect that we give other multinational organizations. It is possible and will require some effort. Let me say that for every entity, be it a business or corporate organization, a non-governmental organization, educational, religious, or whatever, whether you know it or not, you have positioned yourself either as local, regional, national, continental, global, or transgenerational. What do I mean? Local positioning is that kind of positioning that does not have impact beyond the town or local community within which you operate. It is evidenced sometimes by even the name we give our company or organization. And so, if you form a company and you call it Kwesimintin Local Community Store, the perception is that your scope of operation is within Kwesimintin and you are a local company. And so when you begin to grow and you get good, solid international deals with companies in Switzerland, and can you imagine doing an LC for a, a serious export order to Switzerland and you are doing Kwesimintin Local Community Store? Even the name cannot cross the border of Ghana. And so your name, your positioning, the kind of registration you do and a few other things indicate where you are taking what you are doing. Regional, regional thinking is those people who like to say we those in the western region. 
those of us in the Brongahafu region. Now, if your corporate communication tends to gravitate around your region and most of the events, the things you do, the way you position even your, your newspaper, radio, and other communications tends to gravitate around regional issues, you are limiting yourself to your region without realizing it. And then some people are national and that's it. And so you will find somebody who is doing very, very well in business but doesn't even have a passport. Website. How have you positioned your organization to go beyond your country? And so beyond national, the next level is continental. And some people are very comfortable. The moment they cross outside the continental space, you speak very well, you write very well, you do your business very well. The moment you are doing something in Europe, America, especially when you see people of different color, you start shivering and all, the, all of a sudden your talent disappears. Why? Why can't you cross over? Why can't you train in the UK and train in Ghana? Why not? And so the challenge is to go beyond local, beyond regional, beyond national, beyond continental, to global. But even beyond global, there is a next level. So yes, your influence is felt all across the world and you die in 10 years, or you, your company lives for 10 years, and that's it. No. The challenge is to ensure that you don't only go global, you also go transgenerational. And so, your thinking must be about how your company, interiors, architecture, banking, landscaping, law, whatever, can outlive you, and several years after you've gone, your work will exist. So, Let's talk about premature collapse. And so statistically, do companies live that long? The American Bureau of Labor Statistics says that less than 50% of small businesses live more than four years. I'm sure in Ghana the statistic will be, will be even more interesting. Some numbers that we get from Register Journal suggest that one year, within one year, the f- half of the companies that are registered just don't make it beyond the first one year. And I'm sure it will be a nice thing for Franklin Imani to research into. Longevity, the lifespan of the average small business in Ghana. And so, if businesses don't last for that long, if they don't last for more than one generation, if some of them even struggle to last beyond the first five years, what would it take? Why do they have only a statistical impact? When we're in school, there were people who were never in the school choir. They never won a prize. They never acted in the drama club. They didn't do anything of significance during the period when they were in school. So just before they left the school, it probably struck them that they were not even in the school magazine for any achievement. And so their only reference point was the fact that they were in the school. So somehow they had a habit across all schools of doing something very unique. They would take a marker and they would write on the wall. So you see, I didn't tell you. You all saw it. They would write on the wall, I was here some. I don't know, they kind of rehearsed it. They knew exactly what to write. But the interesting point is this. In terms of accomplishment, in terms of achievement, the only reference point was, I was here some. And that's the whole history of the person. Almost like Methuselah, 969 years, and his whole life story is written in two verses. He was born, he lived, he had children, and he died. <laughs> May that not be your story. 
May your companies outlive you. May your books outlive you. May your thoughts outlive you. May something that you do in your lifetime live beyond you. It's my dream, my passion. That's why I write. That the things that we write would outlive us and feed the next generation and beyond. Why do companies fail to make it beyond those initial years? Surprisingly, as they say, the biggest enemy is within. The first enemy of companies is the founder. <laughs> Tell somebody that's you. <laughs> the first enemy of most companies is the builder. The builder who then becomes the destroyer. Three ways in which builders destroy organizations. Number one, the skill sets, mindset, attitude, posture that it takes to start a business is different from what it takes to grow the business. And so the typical entrepreneur is fascinated by starting things, excitement, launching things. But beyond some point, we can't be launching every day. We need to settle down, build structures, no longer personality-based, hey, hey, but settle down, put in place systems that are not personality-based. And you will find that many first-generation founders struggle when you say, let's build a system outside you. They feel Oh, emotionally attached to their company. You want to take away my baby? Look, I sweated. Where were you? And very often, the person making the recommendation was not there when the company was founded. They say, where were you when it was founded? Who who are you? (laughs) And so, people build and unwittingly destroy. The other reason why they destroy is sometimes the realization that you have suffered, so you must reap. But the reaping is sometimes done prematurely. And beyond some point, now... Decisions are not made based on the original mandate of the company. Mandates like profit, the mission, and so on are forgotten. And things like, listen, my friend, so-and-so, is going to this festival and is sponsoring this thing. We too, we must do it. Where does our mission come in? This person has bought this car. I must buy the same car. They've built an office complex. We must build it. Can we afford it? Does our cash flow support it? No, 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 no. We must be there. Those are the things that... The builder uses to destroy. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,